0: The idea is, why is it okay for us to watch violence? And where is it not okay? Like, like, it's not okay to watch. So that's my question is, when is it not okay? When is violence not okay? And how do we justify it to ourselves? You know?
1: podcast, where Rob and Lindsay are going to wrestle for the throne of Who's Right on Media. Hey everyone, so this is Rob from later in the week after we've recorded, and uh, Lindsay and I get into a really great conversation I've gone through, the edit is done, I'm about to upload, but I really feel like before I upload this evening, before you actually start listening, I need to jump in here at the beginning and just say, this is a really good episode, But there's a bit of a content warning, because Lindsay and I are going to talk a little further about what we started on media, on what we consume, and what we watch. So we're going to get into some adult topics, and this may be one that you want to wait to listen to if you have kids around. You know, again, we don't always want to veer into adult topics and eliminate children out of the conversation, but sometimes we do, and we start touching on that, especially towards the end of the episode. So, maybe hang in there if you've got kids in the car with you this morning, or check it out later, or this evening, whatever it may be. But thank you for jumping in. Thank you for listening, and as always, you are a huge part of why we're doing this. We appreciate. We love your feedback. Uh, keep keep interacting. Keep jumping on and, and sharing your thoughts with us. We love it. So, all right. Thank you. I'm gonna get out of the way. Enjoy the episode.
0: Hey, how's it going?
1: Hey, Lindsay. <laughs> it's going. Yeah. We've been so. I. Uh, go ahead.
0: So, it's been, it's, uh, the the 42 at night is always interesting. We usually record in the mornings and whenever we do it at night, it's always entertaining. Something? <laughs> it's always something. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, we tried to start this recording, what, two or three times? And, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, wait, I forgot my microphone. Oh, no, kid, <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. So, and and I will have to say this, forgive, forgive some background noise on my part this week. I've got the printer running At full steam behind me with a Christmas project that I need to get finished.
0: That's alright, you're editing, so.
1: (laughs) Well, yeah, I'm editing this week, aren't I? Which, by the way, Mm -hmm. it's immediately after, but happy Thanksgiving!
0: Happy Thanksgiving. Hope we have a good one. And,
1: (laughs) it better be a good one, no flaming turkeys. But... And if you're listening or you're a listener in Pennsylvania and you're sitting out there in the middle of the cold woods at four in the morning, thanks for listening and happy national Pennsylvania deer hunting season. (laughs) Kid alert.
0: Football! Yay! (laughs) Sports and stuff! (laughs) What? Sports? What are you
1: talking about?
2: Yay. Football.
1: How did we get to sports? I thought you
2: were
0: just talking about football and stuff and Thanksgiving. No? Was that not what you were talking about?
1: No, PA National Deer Hunting Day.
0: Oh, deer hunting. The other thing I don't care about.
1: (laughs) The other thing. (laughs) Pennsylvania, Monday after Thanksgiving is deer hunting, and the school's just shut down because it's not worth the fight of trying to get the students who are big hunters into class.
0: okay. I gotta Which say, I just laugh at. congratulations to everybody who's trying to fill their freezer with meat to feed their family. I appreciate that. But we have this pizza place, gas station thing, right down the road from us. And there's a way station there for deer. And I was getting out of my car to go inside and pick up some pizza. And right next to me is this truck. And they're parked underneath the way thing. So I have a feeling... There's, like, a dead thing in their truck. And I can't tell you how creepy that is. <laughs> so I, like, just looked out of the corner of my eye because I didn't really want to see it. And there was, like, fur. Like, fur. And it was so creepy. It was just, ew. <laughs> like, all I can think of is the far side. Like, like Gary Larson's universe. But everything's oh in reverse. Oh, my gosh, yes. You know? And, and like, deer uh-huh. come and have people in their... I know it's terrible, but that's all I think of because I was inundated with Gary Larson when I was a child. So I have a vivid imagination. Uh, but I love Gary Larson
1: for that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yes, football is also happening this week, too. Good games, good food, yeah. family, some fighting, you know, the, the, the whole thing that is Thanksgiving. So, and this is like my big holiday. I love Thanksgiving. Yeah. I may have cried last year when because of covid and all of that we did thanksgiving with just us Mm -hmm. I, i missed the big production of what is the whole gathered family you know melinda and i still made an amazing turkey first time we ever did that and it was good that's cool it was good yeah but it's good to be able to be back and you know we so part of the reason we're podcasting late was you said colby was working but then the other reason is is this afternoon we took the kids into into the city and we had to get uh Well, not had to get, but we got them their COVID vaccines.
0: Yeah, that's pretty cool. I just, I was just reading that they're now available. How long have they been available? And I've just not been aware.
1: (laughs) It's been about three weeks.
0: Are you kidding? Four weeks, maybe. That's Mm -mm. interesting, because I've been to the doctors twice now with the kids, and nobody's mentioned it.
1: It's been about four weeks, I think. It was right at the end of October.
0: Yeah, we were, we just were vaccinated for the flu. And while we were there, no one mentioned COVID, which is interesting. I wonder if that's because of where we live in Maine. Like, they just don't bother or what?
1: We had to go to one of the cities close to, well, I can say it. We had to go into Lancaster City for the healthcare provider we use because that's where they were running the vaccine clinics. Hmm. So, I mean, that's an hour away. Hmm. But we spent the afternoon down there. We, You know, yay, kids got vaccines. So we took them and got some neat ice cream, something different.
0: Do they but, have? Yeah. Do they have anxiety about the vaccine? Did, did they? Were they nervous? I mean, shots in general is what I'm asking.
1: Shots in general. Oh my gosh. Adeline, if you're listening to this when you're older, you know I've told this story, but please forgive me. My sweet youngest little girl, wonderful, great, amazing kid but we had to get the flu vaccine. This was like four or five years ago. Mm -hmm. And it was three nurses, me, two doctors, all trying to hold her as she was fighting tooth and nail. And at one point she like smacks the needle, uh, smack, smacks the doctor and his hand with the needle. And it comes flying by my face, like close enough that you get that like slow-mo moment where you're like, Oh
2: no, you know,
1: she was a little kid and fighting tooth and nail. Now, She's gotten better, but there's still Ugh. anxiety about shots and needles, and there's anxiety for me every time, because I'm like, am I going to have to bear hug and hold my child to get her to, to do
0: this? Ugh.
1: We, we figured out a
0: system. That's good. Kudos, because that's, I hate, <laughs> I hate, that's a sucky parent thing you gotta do, is, it is. is hold your kid down, or, you know, hold them in your lap so they can't move, and... They don't know. It's just like, oh, I'm so sorry.
1: That's what we keep talking about with the kids, where it's, you know what, this is, this is one moment of very brief pain, but it helps. It helps prevent and guard you against things in the long run. Yeah. But it it is as a parent. It's some of the hardest moments when you know that it's going to cause pain, but for the long haul, it's better. And yeah. Yeah. But they've got their first round vaccines, we're we're excited for them because it's just, we don't think masks are going to be a part of, or ever leave our lives, but it's a step towards a little bit more of normalcy Mm pre-COVID. And that's what we keep looking to. Yeah. Alright, you did the editing this week. Yeah. And there are some things that you have been wanting to push, poke.
2: (laughs) yeah. Yep.
1: Like, there's a laundry list of things out of movies. Now, we're supposed to talk current events, and I think I can get us back into a current event conversation. Okay. But I, I want to let you kind of have at it for a couple minutes. Okay. Because you, <laughs> you even got mad at me, and you were briefly telling me this, and I, I still have questions, but I think this is the, the time and place for you to be mad at me.
0: Mad is a strong word. I think I just got worked up, and maybe defensive- which is dumb okay so (laughs) (laughs) so okay (laughs) i finally had the chance to watch a quiet place 2 this week and i texted you to let you know that i was going to be watching it and I assumed you'd seen it, so I said I didn't I didn't know what everyone had a problem with it. I thought it was super good. I loved it. But like a lot of the people I know were like, eh, they did they didn't really like it. And you said that you you couldn't handle you couldn't watch Quiet Place One because of the father fighting against an unknown I can't remember what you said, antagonist?
1: One of the things I struggle with is Not struggle with, but it it hits me in all the emotional spots
2: Yeah, are
1: movies where there's like a father and son or a family fighting against the odds, fighting against the unknown or the known or, 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 or.
0: Yeah, you said your, your quote, your quote exactly is, this is a text, dad vibe protector movies hit me too close. Even a recent movie franchise of mine that added dab vibes had me. So that's, I thought that was, that was really interesting and sort of odd. And then I was editing this week and one of the things we talked about for the movies last week was this movie called Event Horizon. And you said, cause, I, cause my question was, what's the most disturbing movie you've ever seen? Like to the extent where you would either never watch it again, or you had to shut it off. And at first, your answer was Event Horizon, but then you said you admitted that even though it's disturbing, you have seen it again because you liked the sci-fi element of it and the storytelling.
1: Right. I did preface that with, okay, in terms of disturbing, Event Horizon is one of those ones that I enjoy and can watch, Mm -hmm. but... Turn off, never watch again. It has been Sin City. Or was it Sin City? Or whatever it was. The black and white noir one.
0: And I looked that up because I think I've seen it. I might have shut it off because I don't remember. Maybe I blocked out most of it. But I think the thing with Sin City is everything's in black and white, but like stylized. So all the blood is white. And I think that does something different in your brain.
1: At, at different points, though, they also introduce color within that that franchise and it's a, right. a neat thing that they do because it's following a comic book yeah but my struggle with that movie was that there's no redemptive arc and, and you are right so i i answered that from the aspect of disturbing not what is my emotional response but disturbing like there's no redemptive no oh. point to watch this right now i will say this A Quiet Place is one of those movies that I do want to watch. Cool. But I have to work myself to that point. Okay. And it's been a few years. Yeah. And I know, and I'm getting closer, and it's okay. I will watch it. I should probably watch it with maybe a whiskey in me. But I'm just, I'm not there yet. So this is... And it's...
0: Go ahead. Okay, so the, the part that's, like, confusing... So, like, I looked up event horizon because I've never seen it and I'm not ever going to see it because it, it's it's uh it looks like it's gory in the way that I that I can't stomach but it it's really really gory like gross there and there is a scene a weird scene with a kid where like the kid's on an examining table and his legs are all funky something like that there's there's some weird a weird child thing not that you're weird but I mean it's like a child in peril pulling your heartstrings dad thing but maybe, have you seen it since you were a dad?
1: Actually, no, I don't think I have. I may not have seen this since I've been married.
0: Maybe that's why it wasn't...
1: I, I know I've watched it a couple times, so I don't think I've seen it since I've been married now that I'm thinking about it.
0: So, like, compared to A Quiet Place, th- that's the funny thing, is that, like, all of the, all of the things that happen to a kid happens off screen and it's, it's very, actually, some of the scenes are like, wow, this reminds me so much of Jurassic Park. Like, it's very Jurassic Park-y, even. And there's even one homage, I believe, to Jurassic Park, and I wish I could say it, but I won't. You will say, like, you'll know what I'm talking about, though, when it happens. Um, so, so that's interesting. I mean, the comparison, because it's really, it's, it's not gory. It's thrilling, and there's some moments that are suspenseful, but it's, Like, have you seen The Road, but with, uh...
1: Viggo Mortensen. um, That's another one that, like, my dad recommended to me. Yeah. It took me a couple years to get to the point where I watched that.
0: Okay. Did you?
1: And even... I mean,
0: did you finish I did. You did watch the whole thing?
1: I did. And I still struggle with it. Because when you texted me about A Quiet Place, and, and the more I've been thinking about it, it's, okay, so I did watch The Road. But again, that's a movie where... I struggle with it because Viggo Mortensen's character loses all of the hope in his life. Every aspect of it that his end conclusion Mm -hmm. terrifies me.
0: Yes, it's a very bleak movie. It ends kind of cruddy. Yeah. Well, actually, no,
1: it doesn't end cruddy. That one, I'll say, it does not end cruddy. I thought it You know, the kid knows that dad is dying. He's known for a little bit. And there was a terror and I, I guess... All right, we should probably toss this in, have tossed this in earlier, but spoilers, if you haven't watched these movies, you know, spoilers, be warned. But the dad's conclusion at the end of the movie is that the best way to protect his kid from the horrors of the world is to kill his child. And they build on that through the whole movie. Yeah. But the condition that dad is in at the end of the movie is he can't act on that and the kid mourns the loss of his father, but is then found by another family. Yeah. And you find and you connect the dots of that other family where it's you know, dad has been sensing that someone is following them. And you you get that it's that other family that has been following them. That's been just out of screen, just that element of terror. But that family never lost hope. Never lost hope so much that and this is something my own father pointed out to me, that the family dog mm-hmm. Hasn't been killed for food. The family dog is still with them. Yeah. And that, that family is carving out a new existence in that world. And so the ending of that, it's okay. I can, I can live with that. There are things to grieve, but at the same time, there's hope. And it's getting to that point though, that, that I struggle with because it's that terror, you know, the, the, the family against the world. And there's just that little spark of hope that, yeah, family against the world. And, It's not, you know, child in danger and peril. It's family against the world. If it was child in danger and peril, I would never be able to watch the Alien series. You ever watch Aliens?
0: No, I didn't really care for it. I I watched some of them, and then I watched the Covenant one, and I was like, I'm out. It was just, it was, it had that gritty on your skin, like this is wrong to watch somehow. For me, it felt like once you once you start getting.
1: When you start getting into the later series, they get weird. I liked Prometheus. But, like, the first, yes, but that's kind of a spiritual successor to the Aliens franchise.
0: Yes, so I don't like Aliens. <laughs> and there's a,
1: yeah, there, there's an argument on that one. But, like, the original Alien and Aliens, and once you get, like, Aliens 3 and uh, Resurrection, then they start going downhill. But yeah, there's a child in peril. I think it's Aliens 2? Okay, And I can watch that. I mean, you have Ripley who's being the hero, Mm -hmm. but it's not a family situation. You know, it's... it's,
0: So as long as it's not a family, you don't care if the kid dies or gets hurt or something? No, I still care,
1: and they don't really kill off child characters often. But it's the, you know, movies want to play on the emotional heartstrings, and the idea of a family against the world is something that that plays on my heartstrings and i don't know why it's yeah it's something that hits me and makes it really opens up a whole series of raw emotions that just takes me a while to get into and be willing to process okay in watching a movie so
0: that's something really does that make sense yeah and that's something similar to what colby said is um he's like i just because when i want to watch a movie and he knows it's going to be a movie like a drama or something intense he's like i just don't want to feel things i don't want to feel those things and so i'm like okay well i'll watch it by myself
1: <laughs> right so like a base movie where it's okay yes there's a child in danger but there are acts of heroism or a hero who is fighting against I, I can deal with that mm. but something that's going to draw out these very raw emotions of being a dad yeah um fighting for my kids fighting for my wife fighting for our family, those are things that I, I'm, you know, I'm I'm not fighting for our survival life or death every day, but that's a part of what it is to just navigate the daily routine of, of being a husband and father. Cause you're going, okay, you know, I, I love my job, but there are things I have to navigate in my job and and, and do to make the living that I need to provide for my family. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I can't fail at my job. I have to do it well. I have to do it right. And there are elements of that that are then played out in just the raw emotional side of what is portrayed as the physical fight mm-hmm. for survival. It's that you can kind of yeah. extrapolate. Yeah.
0: It's translated emotionally or it's translated sort of metaphorically or something. I, I, yeah. I get it and I understand it. I understand what you're saying.
1: Yeah. and And it's. Movies are complex. They're meant to draw out emotions. Everything I have seen and read about the Quiet Place, I really want to watch it.
2: It's so good. It's really, really good. And
1: I, I get it's good, but there's a part of me that's just like I, I have to be in a place where I'm ready to process. Yes.
0: No, because it does get you in the feels. I mean, I think it's one of the best movies about family that I've ever seen. Yeah. I, I, I love, I love the, the and the communication between the family and how intimate it is. Like how every every word that they speak becomes like you lean in you you lean in and you listen or you're paying attention to the signing because there's a bunch of sign language i don't think anyone talks for the first 17 minutes of the movie and um so visually it's like arresting um the color in the movie the the acting in the movie is like phenomenal um this this Young lady, I, I I think she might have been thirteen or ten, or I, I I couldn't really tell you. But, um, she was real, actually deaf, and she taught the cast how to sign. So her, she brings this authenticity to the movie. That's that's special. And this the kid, his name's Noah Jube, I think he was phenomenal, and he's even better in the second movie. I thought he was fantastic in the second movie, too. I think he kind of stole the show a little bit, actually. Um. So anyway, it's really good, and I recommend it, and when you watch it, you can yell at me in the following podcast if you want. <laughs> so have you seen The Walking Dead, then, with, you know, Carl and Rick, and how close-knit, especially the first two seasons, how it's so important for Rick to find Carl, you No, know?
1: So that's another one that I, I don't watch it on TV when it's coming out. It's it's another one that I have to build myself up to to watch. Yeah, and even then I I have tapped out. Me too. I me too. Yeah. Nope. I and, and there are like Breaking Bad. Did you ever watch Breaking Bad? I didn't really like it. I didn't. I couldn't really get into it. Okay. See, I enjoyed Breaking Bad, but there are there's a it's two episode arc that I won't watch because. It hits me in a spot that really makes me angry, like really deeply angry. Mm -hmm. And it's because of a failure of a family, a child that uh, we said this earlier, spoilers, but it's the arc where Jesse is robbed by two drug addicts. Mm -hmm. And oh, my gosh, I'm forgetting. I can remember his, his villain name Heisenberg. Oh, my gosh. Wow. That I I can't remember his name. Anyway. Main, main drug maker in the mo- or in the show heisenberg he's mad at jesse he goes look you got to go you got to take care of this you got to prove that you you're the boss so jesse finds these two uh druggies to get his money off of them and what you find out is that their parents they're neglecting their child and i watched that and i've never watched it again Let me rephrase that. I watched that, finished the series, but I've never been able to watch that. It's two episode arc that involves that piece of storyline again, because the the failure of family that they're portraying there again hits me in a spot because of some of the things that I've dealt with and seen within my work Mm -hmm. and and the amount of anger that that draws out of me. So and it's the same thing with like Walking Dead. There are parts of that that just, nope, nope, I can't, nope.
0: Yeah, I, I hear you. I, I liked the first and the second season because of the characters. And the second season was probably my favorite season. It was the one everybody hated where they were kind of hunkered down on Herschel's farm where like Maggie mm-hmm. came from. I loved it, loved it. And it was also the the season where you see Shane do this complete 180 into crazy town and um, so I really liked that, that, that season, but the farther it got in, in, like, I think I, I watched this episode with this, this kid, I can't remember what his name was, but um he like got his face eaten off and uh, like chewed off. And I was I just like, you know, I just, I just can't handle that. I just, it's not worth it. Like there has to be this balance between the writing and the characters and the plot and the story to the gore. And if the balance is wrong, I'm out. And there's just there's too much of like, how else can we freak you out, or how how much more disgusting can we be this season than last season? And I don't like that, so I I I, I tapped out.
1: And, and that's that is something that I I do struggle with as well in storytelling and certain shows. And The Walking Dead has been one of them where it's I I read the comic books, I really enjoyed them, but I. I love the show and I hate the show. And there are moments where it's okay, I can watch it, get to a certain point, and I have to walk away. You know, Uh I'll come back and watch it again. But I've never gotten past the point, again, spoilers, where Negan kills Glenn. That's been the point in the whole show where I'm just. Glenn's like my favorite character. I love Glenn.
0: I love Glenn too. And I'm like, nope, I'm. mm -mm." And is Maggie pregnant when he dies? Because that would just be a killer. Yeah, of course she is. See, I hate it. No. Mhm. No. Mm-hmm. No. And no. this is
1: the struggle with it is is that it is kind of a walking through of what it would be in life to go through a zombie apocalypse. And you might have someone who's a favorite or fundamental piece of your group, but they could still die. And it's it's letting that part of it be in the story where someone who is important to the group can die. We love them as a character, we love them in the storytelling. But death can come for any of them, which is even part of the aggravation of and, and I know where you're going to go because you've already texted me about it and we're going to have a conversation on it. But Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. I watched season one of Game of Thrones. I was like, wow, I like this show. I really like Sean Bean's character, who is uh, Ned Stark. Mm-hmm. Blanked on his first name there. But Ned Stark, I really like Ned Stark. And wait, he just died. And that, that's kind of the arc of Game of Thrones, where, again, no character is safe from death. Death itself is almost this character in the story who can take any of your favorite characters at any time. Yeah. And it would be a death that may not have a point. It could just be they're dead. That's it. Which isn't a bad way of storytelling, but it can be aggravating.
0: It's, yeah, when it just feels like they're... They Power. They're they're playing God.
1: (laughs) Well, in in their stories, they are.
0: Yeah, they're like rubbing it in your face.
1: The author is the god of that universe.
0: Yeah, and that's yeah, it's just annoying. You're not following the rules.
1: (laughs) They're following their own rules. Yeah. All right. Okay. You wanted to push back on something else that I said. You could ask me.
0: Okay. Well, and this ties into (laughs) Walking Dead. Also, interestingly. What? It it ties in. What
1: version of Walking Dead are you?
0: Well, well. What version of Walking
1: Dead are you watching?
0: The idea is: Why is it okay for us to watch violence? And where is it not okay? Like, like it's not okay to watch. So that's my question: Is when is it not okay? When is violence not okay? And how do we justify it to ourselves? You know.
1: You weren't just asking about violence in that text, but no. we can come back to that, I suppose.
0: Yeah, well, it, yes. Because I was... T- cause I,
1: well, we'll come back to we'll it. We'll come back to it. And that one's tricky, because every person's answer is different. You know, what my tolerance for violence in a show is going to be different than your tolerance. And we're already seeing that, because here I can watch this insane madhouse of a movie, Event Horizon, mm-hmm. and be like, oh, okay. But A Quiet Place with a different level and intention in violence is a little more difficult for me. Mm-hmm. And some of it is entirely what the element of storytelling is. What purpose does the violence serve? Mm-hmm. And in Event Horizon, it's just gory, graphic, entirely stupid. I mean, that, that's how I look at that movie where it's, okay, I really don't think we're going to be able to create a black hole drive. And open a portal to hell that's gonna be this weird depiction i I don't think that's even in the realm of possibility
2: mm-hmm.
1: not saying the stuff in quiet places in the realm of possibility either, but it's that family against the world against violence. it's that family who you know let's let's be open and honest. there's probably families hiding in basements or shelters or in the open right now, across this world, running from systems, governments, and individuals who want to seek and do violence to them mm-hmm. for whatever reason, so that element is is there that element can be found actively in this world, and I guess that's that's what my struggle is is one of them I can clearly define as incredibly unlikely, but the other one there are these people. Mm-hmm. Who are running and fighting for their lives right now, hiding quietly in a basement, hiding from people who who want to do them
0: harm? Well, do you think that watching violence affects your brain, or your psyche, or your dreams, or something?
1: Yes, it does. I think if you don't have an ability to frame it and understand it, it can run
0: amuck. Wait a minute. So you so, but if you can understand it, then it won't run amuck no i th- I think it still can I
1: think there are I think our psyche can be affected and allowed loose in such a manner that we blur the lines between what is reality and what is make believe and when that happens, it can affect how we interact with the world. We see violence on the screen, therefore we do violence
0: It's interesting i I do think it affects your brain, but I'm not sure that's what it does I think Maybe it does. Okay, when you're watching, like, the scariest thing, the scariest, most disturbing thing you've ever seen, what was your heart rate? Steady?
1: Oh, I have no idea.
0: I mean, like, do you feel like your, your heart's pounding, or do you feel anything in your body physically when you're watching, ex- like, something really scary or violent?
1: Again, it depends on what I'm watching, but there are times where I'll I'll be sitting there, and I'll find, okay, you know, I, I my fist is now clenched. I was relaxed, but now my fist is clenched. Right. And it's understanding kind of, okay, there's a physiological, because my mind is going, you know, must fight, must fight. So, yeah, I mean, there is a physiological aspect to this that does happen. But again, that's playing on the emotional heartstrings. You know, why why do these things affect us? Can you frame it and understand that, well, the reason this is affecting me is because of a past drama, because of a mindset, because of da-da-da-da-da-da. And I guess that's where I'm looking at it, and saying it depends on the mindset, on the person, and on who you are as an individual. I think to say that violence creates, and and, let me rephrase this, I think that to say watching a violent movie, playing a violent video game, will automatically always create a violent response in the individual, is using a very broad stroke... And it really comes down to the individual and understanding, them understanding who they are and what they're intaking as media. And it's really hard because you're putting it in, I'm putting it in an individual basis and not giving a very tangible one way or another answer.
0: But what if it affects, like, what about your spirit? Don't you have a spirit that could be affected by seeing violence and permanently affected or you know the fact that the next time you see violence it's not as bad you don't feel as affected you're not as sensitive or if see, i don't think if you see violence you're going to go commit violence i think maybe if you see violence gratuitous violence constantly that gets your heart rate up that makes you feel afraid on a consistent basis and you start to get numb to it what's happening with your spirit like what is going on and How does that affect your relationships with people or if you actually see real life violence? Will you respond the way you're supposed to respond?
1: I think that answer is different for every person. I I really do.
0: So I think this is my fundamental background speaking a little bit, but I had been told or taught that sometimes when you watch things, they watch you back like meaning that demonic activity can be attached and associated with certain things certain and maybe it's different for everybody like you're saying maybe maybe it's not every person that sees that but you because you've you're a certain person and when you watch that thing you're sort of primed and ready and that watching that thing opens your opens a door and now you're because you're vulnerable you know i i think i kind of believe that to an extent because fear is bad. Fear is God, you know, what is it? Um, there is no fear in love.
1: Uh, see, now here's where I would argue with you on fear is bad. I don't think fear is bad.
0: Okay, doesn't it say, like, it says that in John, in First John it says that...
1: Love drives out fear. I'm not going to look it up at the moment, but I think that there are two elements of that, again, that, that we're speaking to. Walking into the woods, okay... Going into the deep woods, and you live up in Maine, so you deal with this more than I do. If you hear something clomping through the woods, and you turn, and it's a bear, are you going to be afraid?
2: Yes.
0: I think we're talking In about
1: that situation. It. Yeah. I know, I know, hang on. But in that situation, is fear bad? Mm-mm. No. But
0: I don't love the bear. Because fear is going- You're not supposed to love the bear. You're supposed to run.
1: <laughs> really? I, I think bears are great. I love them. I don't want to be near one. Right. So that fear is going to give you a kick, a, a physiological kick, because you're going to feel the adrenaline kick in. You're going to feel the fight or flight kick in. Your mind is going to get supercharged. So there are these amazing, amazing things that happen with fear.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Correct. Yeah. It it's part of what is the I am human. I have superpowers. It's how I phrased it to my kids. Response of fear. Yeah. I I started. We started talking about my kid, uh, Adeline, and her anxiety towards shots. And I shared that story of you know two nurses, me, bear hugging her, and two doctors trying to give her a flu shot. And here's this small child outwitting and out strengthening all of us because of fear. So it's this amazing response that enables us to do incredible things to preserve our life. So I don't think fear is bad. Okay, but where I do think fear is bad and i i think this is where scripture is getting at with it is that when our motivations are driven by fear in your motivations
2: life, okay
1: okay mm. i fear I'll, I'll give a broad example i fear losing my job so my best reaction is to kiss up to my boss not do my job well kiss up to my boss is that a good reaction from fear
0: right Okay, but we're talking sort of about, like, just sitting in your living room watching a movie with someone being eviscerated and their intestines hanging out everywhere, and that's what we're talking about. That's a little different.
1: Right, it is, and I think that in that, what we're doing is we're kind of hijacking what is the good emotional fear response, you know, danger, and danger causes adrenal glands to go, yay, boom, superpowers, versus... You know, motivations in fear, and it's kind of, it goes into this gray area. What
0: I'm saying is, I think when you are, op- when you feel like that for no reason, or for no good reason, for no real reason, and you're just afraid like that, and you feel disgusting and your heart's racing, my suggestion is that what if that is opening a door to demonic activity and scary spiritual bondage and stuff? That's, that's all I'm really saying, is that I think that it can be dangerous spiritually to f- to live like that, to be like that on a routine basis. That's all I'm saying.
1: <laughs> mm. Okay. I think this is the point where I say I'm going to give up <laughs> on drawing us to where I thought we were going to go in the conversation, <laughs> which is current events. And I'm going to lean into where you're going with the conversation. Embrace it fully, because it is a good point. It's
0: a current event for
2: us.
1: All right. I'm going to lean fully into where you're going. Give me one second to switch all of my research around and catch up to you.
2: All right.
0: Yeah.
1: So from the gate. All right, let's let's be very let's tackle this in order. You brought up 1 John 4:18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out f- fear because fear has to do- Oh man. <clears throat> Excuse me. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Okay? Oh, that did not open the way I wanted it to. Ah. I'm going to offer this one. As well, as we go into this conversation, all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. That's 1 Corinthians 10, 22, or sorry, 23 and 24.
2: Okay.
1: I really do believe a part of the beauty that is the church body is that we are each made wonderfully unique and different.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So what for me is permissible, allowful and lawful is different than what is for you, permissible, allowful and lawful. And I say this in the sense that you know what? emotionally, God has enabled emotionally and spiritually, God has enabled me to handle and process different things, because He's made me unique. In the same breath, he's done the same for you. Yeah. Made you unique to be able to spiritually handle, discern, and process things differently. And I think it's very easy within the Christian Church, and and you even said that within the Fundamental Church to lean into different areas and say this is a demonic attack that we are opening ourselves up to.
0: But that's either a fact or it's not a fact. It's either a true thing that happens or it's not a true thing that happens. It's not like. Well, for me, it's true, but for you, it's not true. It's either there is a demonic or there is not a demonic. You know what I mean? So I get what you're saying, and I'm not telling anybody else what to do. I'm just saying there's a possibility that this is what happens when that's in front of our face all the time. That's all I'm saying.
1: Right, and, and there has to be a balance to these things, okay? There has to be a, a forward movement and a backward movement. You have to be able to press forward, and you have to be able to retreat. You also have to have support networks around you, Who can look and say, okay, look, you've been out on this end of things too long. Come back, heal up, clean up, then go back. So there's always this ebb and flow, okay? Mm -hmm. It's not just one man against the world, against sin. It's the body of Christ, which is the community of churches and believers, Mm -hmm. growing and moving. Now, I say this in, there's an additional argument of... Each of us is, again, specifically gifted and talented in unique areas. So there were a couple guys who, this would have been in like 2000 and 2004, 2005, before the young adult program. I went to a National Youth Workers Convention with some of the, the people I was working with and interning with at the time, and they did a special screening of a movie that they were trying to do through uh, one of the independent film festivals. Okay. And the the movie that they did was these two guys who had started a very unique ministry. And it's called, and you can still find it to this day, it's called xxxchurch.com. Oh, yeah. Yep. Right, you're familiar with it? Yeah. They are a ministry towards adult actors and towards those who do struggle with pornography addictions and things like that. Mm -hmm. And part of their ministry, and this was what the movie was, was their outreach to adult actors, Mm -hmm. what they were doing, how they were doing it, and what it took for them to do it.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And one of those things is that they started going to the adult actors conventions. They set up a booth. They went and You're dealing with adult actors. So there's a lot of nudity at this thing, Mm -hmm. both in what other booths are promoting and the fact that half of the adult actors are walking around mostly naked.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: For them in that time and with that ministry, it was a permissible. It was something that they could do. And they had a support network that they had figured out for them to do this, an accountability network for what it would look like for them to do this. And I remember a part of that movie that they showed at this convention was the reaction of the church. So there were churches there that were boycotting the convention. And they were like, okay, well, let's go out and let's talk to them because we want to understand the ministry side of things because we're trying to do this ministry. And the church's reaction, the ones who were boycotting, was very negative to these two men who were trying to minister to and show the gospel to people very much in need. Right. And it's one of those you see you're thinking well, uh, about yeah. it because it's a yeah. they're standing in the midst of sin, of a very visible sin, and a very visible place of sin, and there's the element of the church that is there judging, but then they're an element of the church that is there loving.
0: Well, it's kinda like um everybody, every single person, barring some outlier people all have a problem with I mean, and when I say problem, I mean you're a, you're attracted to a gender, you're attracted to something. So it's kind of like a bunch of drug addicts or alcoholics having a ministry in a bar or uh, a crack house. That's kind of the same thing. Is is could you be like super really honestly sober and not be tempted? Yeah, I guess so. But is it probably not a great idea to to be a drug addict and go into a crack house? Yeah. But wait,
1: wait, wait. Why do we, not we, why is there within support structures for people who struggle with alcohol or drug addictions? Why is it that you get a sponsor? Someone who has been through that addiction. Someone who has been in recovery. But
0: those people come to you. Aren't drug addicts? They do come to you. You don't go to the bar. They come to you and then you get a sponsor. You don't get a sponsor. You know what I mean?
1: But when you enter into recovery yeah. and you have a sponsor, You're going to lean on your sponsor.
0: That's true. But what are they going to do? Like I...
1: That sponsor's to help you be accountable. Yeah. That sponsor's to help you out of the ditch. Yeah. And so that might mean then that the sponsor's having a conversation with you about a drink. So then wait a minute. How does that not, you know, reignite in them their own desire?
0: The difference is you're not drinking and you're not at a bar with drinks in front of you. That's the difference.
1: But some people are just triggered by the thought of a drink. And this is where, and this is where I'll push back. The difference is, is that you have a support network. Okay, but what are they? Whoever is sponsoring, (laughs) hold on. Whoever is sponsoring the person coming into sobriety, into recovery, is also being sponsored themselves. They have someone that they can lean on. True. And so there's this whole chain of people who can support one another and go, hey, I've in down that road i know what this is and when they struggle they can go to the person who can be sympathetic
0: i don't see how that and help.
1: understand
0: i don't see how that helps if you're in a crack house if you're in a crack house sitting down with someone who's shooting up or whatever you do and they're hey hey i'm watching somebody shoot up right now okay then what i offer you support i have also been with someone who shot up or i also too have shot shooting up <laughs> So what good does that do you when you're in a crack house? I don't see how a sponsor helps much. You know what I mean?
1: The sponsor helps in someone to lean on because, you know what, maybe you've walked into that crack house. Maybe you've walked into that bar and you're struggling with it or you need to get pulled out of or or, or, or. it's it's this in the work I do (laughs) and the work I have done. If a kid calls me and needs picked up, I'm out the door to get the kid. Right. Cool. But that's the same thing that these programs are trying to do. Is They're trying to create systems.
0: Oh, well, what you're saying, what you said, I, like, I agree in a sense, okay? But, but the whole thing about going to the convention, that's where I, like, whoop, hold up. Like, I like the XXX church. I think that's great. But a church is someplace where everybody comes together and is sort of all on the same page. Like, yes, we were adult. We were this. Now we are not this. And, now, and so ah. it's not. Wait. We just got it. We just got it. There's the
1: fundamental difference. You said it.
0: What did I say?
1: <laughs> a church is a place where everyone comes together and is. Uh, did, uh, did you say the same? Yeah. I'll find it in editing. But yeah. I think so. Where we're, everyone comes together and is fundamentally the same and kind of coming for the same purpose. Except here's the catch. And this is where I'll push back.
0: I think that visioning of the church is fundamentally flawed. I don't see how because what I well, all I meant and all I all I meant was that a church is for people uh, the church when when Christ says the church with a capital C he's talking about people that are believers that have decided to follow Christ. Are there some people in the church that aren't? Yep. Sure, probably. But it's built up of people that are believers. So when you say these, these, if, if these people have gone to a convention to try to be, bring people out of the adult entertainment industry, that's phenomenal. But if the people who practice, who are currently adult stars are actually like participating in the adult movie industry, and it's not like a, hey, this is a bad thing. Let's stop. That is that like, how is that, how does that equal? How is that similar to a regular normal church? Where people have decided to follow Christ and it's not like, hey, we're all, we all practice stealing and we're cool with that because it's okay. Because we, because we have sponsors who we can call because we're currently stealing.
1: But there's an element of redemption and healing that has to happen. Okay. So it's not just redemption and healing is not always a boom. Yay. We're done. Redemption and healing is a process. Okay. Always is. Yep. Okay. Yep. Even when it is the miraculous turnarounds, there's always a process to it. A post-process, a a pre-process, however you want to phrase it. But it's also this. The church is the gathering of people together. Okay? So Jesus died, comes back to life, the church is... Kind of scattered post-resurrection. Jesus begins regathering all of them. There's about 500 people who witness his resurrection as recorded in... It's the end of Luke or the beginning of Acts. I don't remember. All right? Mm-hmm. And so you have like 500 people that is the church at this moment. All gathered roughly in and around Jerusalem. And they're getting it. The The pieces are falling into place. Yay! Great! And then Jesus leaves them. Okay. But after he leaves them,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and this is where it starts getting real tricky and dynamic. They wait. The spirit descends. Mm-hmm. When the spirit descends, they each speak in a different tongue. And there's witness to this. It, again, all recorded in Acts. Mm-hmm. And then the church starts dispersing. The church, that is 500 people and the 12 apostles... Because at this point, they'd also elected in a new one who had been with them from the beginning to replace Judas. So you have the 12 apostles. Mm -hmm. And they start spreading out. Mm -hmm. They start going in different directions. They start going away from what is this centralized church out into the world. Right. And 500 people have turned into billions over the past two millennia.
2: Right. Okay.
1: They went to their communities in their communities, where they were, and Corinthians is actually a great example of some of this, they started building communities of the church. So we start in a centralized spot, it starts going out, they start building in their community. Corinthians faced different problems because they had a very unique and dynamic cultural Hodgepodge of people, Mm -hmm. which is why Corinthians is filled with these elements that we have to wrestle with and and ask questions of, because the cultural elements that are there Mm -hmm. are influencing the church. But how do we how do we correctly navigate and allow the church to influence the culture? That's a different, entirely you know, podcast discussion. I'll, I'll say that. And so what happens though is that each of these people, as they're going out, they begin building a new community, a new church where they're at.
2: Okay yes
1: adapting to that community and allowing not the community or not the culture to change the church but the church to invade the culture right, in a yes. way that is right. not domineering but adaptive
0: yeah but paul still told the women like to cover their heads and paul still told the women the, you know so i'm not saying but that is because it was specific to corinthians or to corinth so he still they still had standards you still had to obey you still had to follow Christ. But why? Why what?
1: But why? And that's why why did Paul tell the women to cover their heads?
0: Because of the culture that they were in, the the temple worship you shaved your head and so they didn't want it was particular to that culture. It's not saying everybody should shave should cover their heads, but it was particular to that culture.
1: So Right. Right. So the argument is and we can get into finer points on this. But with that, it was you had temple prostitution in Corinth mm-hmm. and the women who were part of that or the people who were part of that shaved their heads. Right? It was a sign of what they had been. But somebody went and ministered to those temple prostitutes and now things have changed. Somebody went right
0: to them. We're on the same page. I don't get what we're arguing about. We're on the same page. Uh, I don't know. I I agree. I but those people aren't still <laughs> prostitutes anymore. They're not prostitutes anymore.
1: But somebody still had to go to them.
0: That's true. But you're what you're saying. What you seem to be saying is that this church was full of people that were currently all adult video stars, and that was cool. That's what you seem to be implying.
1: No, no, no. I said that the the guys who started XX Church had a ministry too.
0: Okay, ministry is different than a church in the sen- so yes i agree i think that's cool if if you're doing a ministry that brings people into church so they cannot be adult movie stars i got that. that's cool
1: but here's the challenge all right and and in the specific reference we keep hitting that what if you're dealing with a woman who this is at the time her only means of survival being in that industry to provide for her family right what if her what if what if her beliefs are moving towards christ what if her acceptance acknowledgement and growth in the church is to show her love and support with where she's at in that moment even if she has to continue to be an adult film star yeah and a christian is that possible is it possible to be an adult film star and a christian that's maybe the best question to ask
0: i she shouldn't have to be an adult film star in a church in a community that supports her she shouldn't have to be an adult movie star ideally absolutely are you going to kick her out of the church or see but that's the thing is it a church or is it like see a home church well, community or a small church no i don't think you can you can't you 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 can't say that you're hearing from the lord and in communion with christ and following, you know, hearing from the spirit, and also be a film, an adult movie star and be cool with it, and think it's okay. How is that possible? But it's the same, right? Isn't it the same if you're a compulsive liar? Or, I don't know. Or a whole church full of adult movie stars that think it's okay? I, I'm not sure. Alright, hang on, hang on.
1: Where did it, I, um yeah this is one of those moments where it's okay i literally had my bible promise me you will edit this out
0: you have to edit spaces like this out
1: i will edit spaces like this out but leave some of the goofiness that is our curiosity of so it's this i'm sitting here at my desk haven't moved but i misplaced my bible for a moment (laughs) couldn't find where i put it you ever do that yeah And it it throws you because you're like, I haven't moved. Where did that go? (sighs) Okay. So part of the question in all of this is simply this. Can you be saved and a sinner?
0: Yes. Yes, you can. An active sinner. Well, we are all active sinners. We all sin every day. But the Lord does a process of sanctification because we are also saints. We're saint and sinner at the same time. I just heard about this. I've been discussing this with someone. And the Lord shows you things like, hey, did you know this is going on? You're like, oh, wow, okay, I need to deal with that. Um, That's sanctification. Uh, I think the physical sins, like prostitution, are probably the easier ones to deal with. Because they're, I mean, it's sort of hard to stumble into prostitution, you know? It's kind of a conscious choice. If you know what I mean.
1: Right, but there's an element of desperation that has come with it as well. Now... Let me read this. Right. Okay. Let me read this so we can understand, not understand. I'm just going to read this. All right. You ready? Mm-hmm. You have heard what our ancestors were told. You must not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. Okay. That's pretty clean cut, straightforward. But I say, if you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you are in danger of being brought before the court and if you curse someone you're in danger of the fires of hell okay Mm -hmm. pretty simple pretty straightforward by the way i'm reading matthew 5 that was 21 to 22 out of the new living translation because it was the first bible i grabbed on my stack second one you have heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery again pretty black and white pretty clear cut Mm -hmm. right but I say anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Matthew 5:27 to 28. So there's this upping of the ante that Jesus gives us right at the end of those beatitudes of okay, the process of our heart, our anger, our lust, our desire has even entered into the point of this is sin. It's not just the actions, it's the processes of the heart, of the mind, of the spirit can easily and quickly become sin. And maybe this is going to undermine my argument earlier in the podcast, but it's there. The action of the heart, the action of the mind are, or can become, sin. (laughs) So we enter into sin that quickly, that easily, intentionally or unintentionally. Because, you know, we'll, we'll give this extreme example. You're 97 years old, you're lying on your deathbed, and the nurse that walks in it's a very fine-looking nurse, and you're like, oh, yeah, and you die. You know, you you had that thought of, wow, that's a really hot-looking nurse, and the next thing you know, you're dead. Just that thought is enough sin to separate us from God. If you're a believer, that little bit of sin, how far of a separation does that give us in that last moment? And what is the gulf of sin, and what is and is not able to be handled?
2: Okay. And I guess
1: that's the biggest question in all of this, is how active as sinners are we and what is that level of righteousness that we must attain and i used air quotes on righteousness and attain it's my question
0: i don't even know where to go with that really <laughs> so it's okay if the other people commit adultery because we all commit adultery in our heart not what i'm saying but it's kind of where like
1: I think that is provided as an element of us to be able to look and say, I am center. And and this is,
0: yeah, like we're all,
1: this is a pushback. So, all right, I got to say this. We're what? This is the second episode of season two, right? Okay. Season one, the first episode or second episode, there was a lot of pushback between you and I on this almost exact conversation because we were talking about what it is for the church, and what it is for sinners within the church. It's very easy, very quick for us to be able to find, especially in the physical sins, and pronounce judgment. Yeah. It's, it's so cheap, it's easy, kind of thing, All right, It's very easy to look and say, you are X, Y, and Z, to whatever people group, to whatever whoever, mm. and pronounce sin. But the aspect I think that we as Christians need to walk with, and I think this is why it's provided in Matthew, I think this is why it's written throughout scriptures, is that we as Christians need to first and foremost understand that I am a sinner. My righteousness doesn't even get past the point of my own mind.
0: Right. Okay, so cool. Yes, I get that. Okay. Yeah. Right. Like, we're not worthy. And so, therefore, we should have grace for everybody. I get that. I get that.
1: Right. Right. So then, when we navigate a situation, then, like someone who's dealing with an addiction, someone who's dealing with being in the adult entertainment industry, who's dealing with, yeah, you know, pick, pick your flavor.
0: It's absolutely g- grace, right? It's very important. And we should lead with grace and love. Until it starts to affect, in a negative way, the rest of the sheeple. Because, so you have, you know what I mean? Like, yes, we have grace, but we can't be inviting people over to our house in the church to watch our latest video, either. You know what I mean? Like, so there has to be standards.
1: Right. And But there's a point that you get to, and so... You know, we you mentioned it where, okay, absolutely, in the church, the ideal situation is is if you have someone who walks in and says, I'm a prostitute, I do it to feed my family, the reaction of the church should be, okay, great. I would like to buy your time for the next three months, pay your rent, and give your family food. Mm. That should be the immediate church reaction. Yeah. Okay, great. I I'm going to buy every moment of your time between now and 3 months from now help you get on your feet take care of your rent take care of your family yeah. and you know what we're going to help you get into something else that will pay to provide for your family so you don't need to fall back on this
0: mm-hmm. and we're not going anywhere we're you we are we are here if you don't go anywhere we're not going anywhere yeah
1: welcome to the church let us love you yeah. that should be the default setting yep. that's not what happens it's not and I, I'm not saying that about every church. Um, it It's not what happens, though, broadly. Churches fail. They fail because, well, we're sinners, and sometimes we forget that. We forget the righteousness is not ours, it's God's. And we only have a stake and a claim in it because of Christ. And we can only act in it because of the Spirit. And that, to me, is kind of where all of this comes into it. Where it's, okay, you, you have individuals who for a time or because of who they are and their uniqueness may be able to sit with different things you know the the guys who started xxx church for a time were able to do these conventions and minister to the to to them mm-hmm. for a time did they have clothes on someone made yes they had clothes on
2: okay just wondering <laughs> I...
0: <laughs> sorry i was just wondering <laughs>
1: All right, look, let's be entirely honest once again. When you think about it, Genesis 1 and 2, what did Adam and Eve wear?
0: Nothing, so therefore...
1: (laughs) Okay, and when we get to heaven, what does scripture tell us the latest fashion will be? I
0: think we're getting new robes.
1: In theory. But we will be clothed in Christ. What does that look like?
0: I'm not... I don't want to go where you're saying, suggesting... (laughs)
1: I'm not saying anything in particular. I'm just saying, "Eh, what does that look like? (laughs) And robes is used, but... Hey, God made creation and it was naked. I'm taking my jeans. That's all I'm saying.
0: So, Robert, this was a really interesting conversation, and it's only half done, because I still want to talk about Game of Thrones in more detail. Um, (sighs) So... I know you like the whole one week, you know, each week thing, but I think that should be like in case we can't think of anything else. (laughs) That's just me because we have something to talk about. We have we have something. That's just my opinion. We could we could talk about this tomorrow, actually, because we're technically supposed to record because I actually I will be here Saturday, but Saturday night, next Saturday night.
2: Yeah,
1: we'll talk about that in a minute. All right. Yes, I think we need to have one more conversation on this. It'll be really different. It's not where we intended to go, but it's what the movies drew out. It's the questions you drew out. And it's not a bad conversation to have. Yeah. And for entire reference and clarity and all of that, why don't you go ahead and we'll finish the episode with this. What was your question? (laughs) What was your question
0: about Game of Thrones and why I'm okay watching it? Oh. So, I heard a quote that said that Game of Thrones is basically porn. So, my question is basically, how do you justify the amount of gratuitous sex? Uh, I read, by the way, sorry, that, um, sex position is a term that was created about Game of Thrones in which important plotting information is conveyed during the sex scenes. Therefore, you can't miss them if you want to watch the show. That's evil! <laughs> So anyway, my question is: How do we justify that? How do you, as a man, a married man, as a pastor, justify that? And I don't want to get anybody in trouble, so we can edit out whatever you want. But
1: it's just you—you you keep tossing pastor to my title. I'm not a pastor. Yeah,
0: we basically are a pastor. You act like one. You've got a pastor <laughs> hat on. You—you—it's your gifting. So I don't know who cares what your title is.
1: <laughs> all right. So all right, all right, all right. Do you have your phone with you? Yes, I do. Great. I just sent you something. Two, I I brought this question that you asked up to Melinda, and her response was, yes, Uh, (laughs) and maybe have Lindsay put in the soundtrack, okay? Hold on, we'll talk about that real quick, but maybe have Lindsay put in the soundtrack for this conversation, her just going, "Mm mm-hmm, to your replies. I
0: think maybe we should have Melinda on. Cause this is this personal for her too? Cause you're you belong to Melinda.
1: I'm not opposed to this, hmm. and, and she and I have talked through this. And there's a
0: lot to unravel Honestly, in that conversation. This could be a really heavy conversation. Like we're being funny, and that's cool. But like pornography is a ser- is is serious, and it's something that I've I've participated in, and not participated in, but I've witnessed. <laughs> and uh, okay, let's just let's just park park (laughs) it there Um,
1: there are no pictures online
0: (laughs) no no i have i have dabbled in pornography and it's it so i understand i i've been there and and um yeah so hasn't so hasn't Kobe. so um it's a it's uh, a it's a heavy thing it's a heavy thing i know whatever no one's it's an hour and 19 minutes in nobody's gonna be listening (laughs) (laughs)
1: you're phrasing you're phrasing but yes it is something that i think who hasn't seen it is maybe the bigger question yeah really especially with the rise of the internet the access to it is incredibly phenomenal
0: and the relationship that you like people in ministry and pastors and people at churches and I,
1: i will give an example that I just want to give, all right, real quick, Mm -hmm. and you'll find this hilarious, but in the record of, like, what was my master's level studies, Mm -hmm. there's a paper that I, and I had to do a research paper on Martin Luther, on the rise of the church within the black community and uh, the civil rights movement, what Martin Luther, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. did. Sorry, I should have been more specific with that. And, how the church should have responded to how the church should have stood be besides all of you know the the rise of the civil rights and the rise of the black church in that moment and great paper i was really happy with that paper but as i was doing my research for martin luther king jr i started reading this article that was really good Mm -hmm. and then when i went to grab the citation for the article Mm -hmm. i saw what website it was on playboy i was on the I was in the Playboy archives because in one of the 1960s Playboys, they had an interview with Martin Luther King Jr. That's cool. That's cool. And I sat with that for a bit. I sat with it enough to even talk with my boss and go, um, I have this great article. I want to use citations for it in this paper, but it's from Playboy. And so in my <laughs> master's level studies for a seminary. I have citations for Playboy magazine about Martin Luther King Jr. and an article and interview with him. Wow, that's pretty cool. Entire random aside, but it was one of those moments where it's okay.
2: uh,
1: Yeah, but then even wrestling with the question of okay, Martin Luther King is someone that we look at, we hold up and we're like, wow, he was a great spiritual leader. And yet he was still in this moment went had an interview with someone from playboy knowing what magazine it would be published in yeah but but that's what the church is supposed to be yeah not yeah. yay nudity but right i'll still talk to the broken uh, now there are complex levels of things that we should talk about that will be in the next episode because this is a big one i'm going to finish finish finally with this section of it and say Lindsay, i sent you a photo yeah
0: <laughs> yeah
1: I sent you a nude.
0: I'm pretty sure you sent me a nude. Yeah. Not of me. <laughs> and not of anybody. But alive. He sent me a nude of a dead guy. DK. Um, and he's pretty pretty sculpted. Yeah.
1: Literally. <laughs> Very literally. But it's it's a modern piece not a modern. It's a piece of art.
0: So who is that? Is that Michelangelo's David?
1: Michelangelo's David. Yeah. Would you go and see that if it came to Maine? Or if you were in wherever it was, would you go to a museum and see that piece of artwork?
2: Yeah, I would.
0: So uh, y- even with da- you're annoyed. Even with David's bits, yes, hanging right there. Yes, because it's not gyrating and there's no one behind him <laughs> or in front of him.
1: <laughs> but in 1500, when Michelangelo made that statue, him being naked like that was incredibly controversial. It was. It was. Hmm. It was, the Catholic Church said it was obscene.
0: What well, is obscene. <laughs> Interesting.
1: So I guess this is what we're going to talk about next week.
0: Cool. I'm excited because I have a whole <laughs> week to prepare.
1: <laughs> right. Mm. So, all right. This has been a good, weird conversation. It's going in a good direction, I think. Hey, I did not expect our media conversation to draw us to this point. There are probably going to be a few things that we'll both want to revisit in this episode at some point. Mm-hmm.
0: But, yeah. It's been good. It's been good. I got to put kids to bed and all that. But you are interesting and confusing and irritating and I like you. And uh, looking forward to talking to you next week. And tell Melinda if she wants to talk. I want to talk too. And we don't have to wait. Oh, yeah. So, never mind. Let's sign off and we'll keep chatting stuff <laughs> blah
1: blah blah okay bye <laughs> well we'll figure out schedules because it's thanksgiving week and turkey is on the line yes so and if you're deer hunting and listening to us i hope you get that nice 12 point good luck <laughs> okay bye all right bye thank you for listening to the 42 podcast please take a moment to like, and subscribe. And if you want to join in on the conversation, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter to add your voice to the conversation. Thank you.